This is Father Aaron with another podcast. Happy Sunday. Our readings today lead me into a discussion on faithful citizenship. It's an election year in the United States, and Catholics have a duty to make informed decisions on how they vote, since the divine law of God is not claimed by a single party. But even more than that, Jesus Christ is commanding all of us to take on the burden of one another's care, and to not simply pass that duty off on the government. If you haven't heard already, it's an election year. I'm sure several of you did as I did this past week and watched the State of the Union address. Perhaps you read about it in the paper or online. Perhaps the article you read spoke more about handshakes and torn up speeches than it did the actual content of the President's address. Political issues are divisive, which is why most preachers like to keep them entirely out of the homily. Some people try to fit the church into a political party. The Catholic Church is, they say, conservative or liberal, Democrat or Republican. Of course, the truth is that the church is Catholic, period. It's hard to push us into any one category because our standard of morality is God's law. And God's law doesn't fit into a political mold. Sometimes it will seem that the church sides with one party, and sometimes the other. Which is why, for the Catholic, election years are difficult and important times. We can't blindly cast votes in favor of a particular party. Nor can we stand back and pretend that all the issues are so much larger than us, and that it's not worth getting involved. That is, of course, what preachers are told, that the church shouldn't be involved in politics at all, and we should just stick to religious things and leave politics out. But religion, Christianity, affects the way we live and therefore the way that we are governed and how we participate in that government. It may surprise you, but this is one of the reasons the Church has historically not favored democracy. A democracy is founded on the principle that the people decide what will be done. But a majority vote does not determine reality. A majority opinion does not determine truth. 
It was majority opinion which formerly permitted slavery in this nation, and majority opinion which today permits abortion. And so the weakness of a democracy is that it allows the common person to hide behind majority opinion, as if they are exonerated of their mistakes because they were members of the crowd. Our readings today deliberately counter this mentality. You are the salt of the earth, says the Lord. Salt has potency. You know when salt is in your food. Sometimes we love salt, sometimes we hate it. A good number of you are in medication because you love salt too much. Why do we use salt? There are a number of reasons. We use it as a spice. It alters the flavor of a thing. This tasteless piece of meat is now seasoned. We want salt on our movie theater popcorn or our boiled peanuts. It's just better that way with salt. But whether you love or hate salt, salt is evident in the food where it is present. And this is our first lesson. Christians are loved and hated in society. We are loved when we agree with the majority and hated when we do not. The same politicians who praise the church for our support of minority rights will curse us for our pro-life stance. But we must be salt. That is, our position, our teachings must be evident. We can't hide them away, nor can we try to blend in with the crowd, even with a Catholic crowd. The first reading helps us illustrate what I mean. One of the major issues in each election is poverty, the economy. That was certainly a major focus on the State of the Union address this past week. How do each of us, individually, address this issue? Certainly, a great many of us give to the church or to government charities, and there is nothing intrinsically wrong with that. But what does God say to Isaiah? Thus says the Lord, Share your bread with the hungry. Shelter the oppressed and the homeless. Clothe the naked when you see them. And do not turn your back on your own. Right. He, he doesn't say, give to all those groups that help the poor. It's not that those groups are bad, but we can easily hide behind our monetary generosity and mark ourselves in the clear when it comes to serving our neighbor. I know I'm guilty of it. I give to this parish every week in the collection. I also donate to other groups. But this past week I went grocery shopping and was approached by a man asking for food, and he gave the usual story that you hear in these sort of things. What did I do? Well, I did nothing. I, did, I told him I didn't have any cash, which was true, and I walked away. But once I got inside the store, I was thinking about this homily, and I told myself I needed to give him something. And so I bought some things to bring him when I left. Well, sadly, he was already gone when I came out again. But the point is, while it is a good and a noble thing to give to these groups that help the poor, or to vote for the candidate that is going to help the poor, at the end of the day, Christ is asking us to actually serve and love each other. I love that last phrase in that statement from Isaiah, do not turn your back on your own. We need to personally be involved in the love of neighbor. We have to be salt, making our presence known, not for the glory, because there is no glory in it, but for the sake of Christ. St. John Chrysostom teaches that God has no better proof of the fidelity and affection of our soul than seeing it zealous for the welfare of our neighbor. Now, another way we use salt is as a preservative, or at least we used to. We still do in some things, like pickles. The Christian has to preserve the good of society, and this is where our votes come into play. Admittedly, no one in this room is making laws in Washington, D.C., and though we are a very small corner of the nation, we have a duty to be vocal for the preservation and attainment of justice in society. 
I say preservation and attainment intentionally, because we are not conservative or liberal in the church. Remember, the goal is the law of God, not the support of a party. And so those things which are good and noble in the government today, we have an obligation to see that they are preserved. But those things which are not, we have a duty to see that they're changed. And this begins at home. One of the most major issues in today's world that's constantly under attack is marriage and the family. And this is not simply an issue in Washington. Our toleration of immoral forms of marriage and the family life wear away at the fabric of Christian society. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, for one thing, the teachings of the church, drawn from divine law, regarding marriage as being a lifelong covenant between one man and one woman, is not something which the majority of society seems to be entirely in favor of today. It's not popular in today's world to openly state that you support traditional marriage not only as a right, but as the only valid form of marriage. Those who make this statement are called bigots, or guilty of hate speech, etc. But we are salt, and we can't hide our flavor behind the majority opinion. We have to preserve the family, and our silence in the face of this and other issues is being interpreted as acceptance or as agreement. Often, the excuse that we hear is that our democracy requires us permit the opinions of others, that if some group wishes to define marriage differently than me, then as long as they don't harm me, I shouldn't say anything against what they're doing. But what is that if not a denial of the truth? There is a truth of marriage, a truth about life, a truth about the just treatment of migrants, or especially in Mississippi today, a truth about the safety and humane care of prisoners. And we are salt. We have a duty to witness to that truth, to make that truth evident in society, and we can't be silent in the face of these crucial issues. For if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. All of us are called to witness to the truth of Jesus Christ, even when this is difficult. We heard St. Paul in the epistle today, I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my message and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with the demonstration of spirit and power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Jesus Christ isn't looking for pundits and talking points. He has called all of us to be witnesses of the truth, of he who is truth itself. Our fidelity to the truth in spite of the attack of the world is fidelity to Christ. Remember that through the coming year. The issues of this and every election aren't as simple as majority rule or party politics. The goal isn't the election of your favorite candidate or the support of a particular party. The goal is the holy law of Jesus Christ. Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life.
thank you for taking the time to listen in today. If you like what you hear, please go on iTunes and leave a good rating or comment. Also tell your friends and family about it, and visit the Diocese of Jackson Office of Vocations website for more great content. That's jacksonpriest.com. Jacksonpriest with an S.com. Thank you, and God bless.